When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. How was your weekend in the desert? I'm in LA and we have yet to see each other because you were in the desert. I did a Rams game yesterday. You good? I'm good. I get to see you um, tomorrow. But we have something in common. You did a Rams game and I was at Bighorn Country Club. So Bighorn, Rams, there's a connection there. They both have horns. Yeah, they kind of have a similar logo thing going on. They do. From what I've seen. Yeah, so we were we were connected even though we weren't together. Who uh who did you play who was there? Kurt was there, I assume. Kurt Wyatt, um Matt Franco played for a bunch of baseball teams. I know Matt. Mets. I know Matt very well. Yep. I was with his brother Luke, Greg, brother Wyatt, Joey DeSalvo, Sheriff Joey, uh Josh Algra, and we just had an amazing fun golf tournament. It was a boys trip and it was really really fun but i'm uh i'm recovering you know the those trips there's you're not resting at all it's just pedal to the metal you know yeah and you played you played good golf i played played good golf i didn't play very well played played well the first day but it was really fun teams of four two teams of four Ryder cup style highly competitive group everyone is in each other's faces screaming about rules getting drunk afterwards you know trying to amend things we're not playing from the fucking blue tees. We decided on the silvers, and we're staying at the silvers. You know, it's one of those <laughs> things that it just gets ramped up and and uh, put a name really to that. Fun. Was that Kurt? Uh, Kurt started it because he was like, "I'm too fucking old." Okay, you guys are playing from the silver tees. I'm playing from the blues. I'm seventy years old next year, and when I turn seventy. I'm fucking playing from the members' tees. All right, so fuck you all. I'm playing from the members' tees. And we're like, okay, fine, Pa, but you are playing from the silvers. We've already done one round from the silvers. We're not playing from the golds. And I've adjusted all the handicaps so it all makes sense. I said, you want to play from the blues? I, I take, I, you give back two shots. And he took a beat. Eh, I don't know. And we started laughing. <laughs> nice. Good. It was I mean, fun, people man. who don't play golf don't. And and believe me, I, I understand uh, for various reasons why people maybe aren't into it. But if you are into golf uh, and you get into a situation like that when you're with family or really good friends and you're able to make golf almost like a contact sport, like you're you're drinking, you're having fun, you're giving shit to each other, 
there's just yeah. nothing better, especially, you know, this time of year, long shadows, sun's going down, you know, you're going to have fun that night just hanging out. And it's why it's just an intoxicating game for people mm -hmm. who enjoy it. And it's hard to explain that to people that don't play. And again, I understand why a lot of people don't, but I, uh, it's just, it's been the greatest, it's my one outlet, my one mm -hmm. outlet in my life is getting a chance to just kind of get away from my phone, get away from thinking, worrying about work and do my fun time. That's right. And we get to play tomorrow. I haven't, I haven't played golf with you in over a year, right? I mean, yeah. Oh, 18 I haven't months. seen you. When's the last time I saw you? The same Colorado. amount of time, right? No, Colorado. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I saw yeah. you in Colorado. Yeah, yeah. God, you so soon you forget. Hey, by the way, you know, we're wearing the same button-down shirt, like red. Pretty much. Lumberjacky flannel vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Let's address, let's address this because I think it's important. You were a little asshole the other day on when you were texting me. Such a dick. I, I made fun of his overcoat saying it looked pink on TV and the guy blows a gasket like I've never <laughs> fucked like I've never fucked with him before in my life. I'm doing a goddamn national televised game, you fuck. You go fuck off. And I was like, whoa, relax, dude. Jesus Christ. No, here I, I will give you I was I will fuck, give you the I, blow shut up. I'll give you the blow by blow. Uh, You're like nice pink coat. Okay. <laughs> Realize that I'm live on national TV. Now I, I will fuck around and I fuck around all the time on my phone with you and with other people and mm -hmm. it's fun. You're like nice pink coat. I said, it's not pink. It's fucking pink. I said, you're high, which the <laughs> odds were good you were. So I don't know <laughs> I what kind of lenses what kind of lenses you're looking through. And then I take a selfie of me in my stupid camel hair coat. Send it to you. You're like, I don't care. It looks pink on TV. Wait for the comments on it. I'm like, fuck off. I already get enough comments every time I open my mouth, and I get shit from you about my wardrobe. Like, give me a break. <laughs> no, I know, but but the comment coming back on the from text with you is like, you don't know what I go through every fucking day you of my life. You don't. I know, but that would it, be it like me like sitting in... It's like me it texting like some you. psychological place, like, all of a sudden. Went deeper than it should have gone. You drilled down too far. That is like me sitting off the side of the stage while you're doing Rules of Engagement or My Life with Malin Ackerman, whatever the next <laughs> show is, and I'm sending you texts during the, t the entire time you're out there like, hey, your shirt looks tight. Hey, uh, you look stupid. Hey, it's like, fuck. I, I got... I have literally 174,000 other things to think about. Now I'm adding this from the peanut gallery. <laughs> yeah, but it's coming from me. And I was like, I'm just playing. I said something like, I'm just yeah, having let fun it go. with you. Jesus Christ. You wouldn't let it go. You wouldn't let it go. Uh, you just sense, you knew, you get so you know sensitive. Me. You know me well enough to know that. I'm simmering, and I played the game, and I sent you the selfie. And then when you said, just wait for the comments, like I'm going to go <laughs> search comments on Joe Buck's pink coat, it was like, fuck, I'm done. Fucking stop texting me right now, you dick. And you you know are so you're, you mad. You know I'm right.
You know I'm right. No, I don't. No, I don't. Because I, th- I think you got overly sensitive. It was crazy. I, I just said your coat looks pink on TV. And then I was would fucking say the with same you a little thing bit. To my and sister. then you like lost it. You were having a moment. You were angry about something else. I can't else. wait. I can't wait. I'm coming to a taping of one of your shows and I'm gonna just sit off on the side. I'm gonna I'm gonna first I'm gonna <laughs> shoot a laser into your eye, and then I'm gonna just just <laughs> cough a lot so that you get annoyed with me while you're doing your thing. Well, I'm Googling right now Joe Buck pink coat. Oh, oh, and uh, and one other piece I forgot. <laughs> you sent me a screenshot yeah. from, like, eBay of, uh, like, Jackie uh, Kennedy's pink coat <laughs> from, I don't know where the pink coat was from, but now that shows up. So, yes, whatever. Yeah, but that's Why funny. That? That, what are you getting upset with? I sent you a, a, a pink overcoat, a picture of a pink overcoat. It's because great. I saved up for months to get that that <laughs> camel hair coat. And I get a comment from my sister. She's like, oh, my God, you look so much like Dad. And I get, you know, my Michelle's like, oh, your coat looks great. I said, does it look pink? Now it's like in my head. Now I'm texting everybody. Does this <laughs> stupid coat look pink? all because of you so now my attention i'm literally texting you like i hate you don't ever text me again uh text messages coming back from commercial on a national broadcast like they're going five four i'm like and by the way don't ever fucking text me again two one philip rivers and the indianapolis colts are at the 29 yard line and i swear to god that's true i was like i gotta get back in the game i don't know why that threw me off so much yeah nothing usually ever does well that's what was surprising to me is that it seemed like you were a little hotter than normal and then and then you were like i'm out i'm done i'm out and then finally i said i'll leave you alone and that was that i said text me tomorrow i don't want to hear this right now that was right. the, that was that was the last. Okay, so it wasn't like yeah. you're. Yeah, and dead I let it me. go. I let it go, I, and then I, I didn't text you tomorrow though, not on purpose, but you know, a little bit on purpose. You thought? No, I got up. I got up early, and we started playing golf all day. But I did. I did think about it. I, okay, let me be fair. I made the decision that night. I was like, I'm not gonna fucking text him tomorrow. I was like, he can text me, the dick. And then, yeah, like, and, we're and, dating. Yeah, well, you just got so mad. Jeez. Anyway, I'm glad we got to talk about it right now because I haven't even talked to you about it at all. I mean, we it's been three days or whatever. I haven't said a word about it, but I had to bring it up here because it was shocking to me. Oh, was shocking. it? It was shocking. Hurt my, You're hurt easily my shocked then. You're shocked. Your shock factor, your shock uh, threshold is low if that's the case. No, I know you well, though, and I know it wasn't personal, and I didn't take it. It made me laugh, honestly, when I got when you were so upset. Of course, it did. It's like Jesus Christ! Dude, Listen, out of his you're mind. losing friends left and right. Okay, I'll be I the one. Am. I'll I be am. the one that sticks with you through the long haul, and I'll be here. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. You know. Well, I'd like to talk about that actually. Not specific people, obviously, but I'm going through this thing where I'm I'm angry, or I'm not angry, but I'm just yelling at a lot of people, and I've lost I've lost a friend or two. You know, they're alive. Don't don't take that the wrong way, but you know, just it's just I don't know what's going on, and so I held back from giving it one last barb. You know the other night and i just said i'll leave you alone because part of me was like i'll go to the next level and i learned a lesson in the last couple of weeks not to do that because i 
I went to the next level in a certain situation and it potentially destroyed something. <laughs> That's the, and it's so sad because yeah. I know who and what you're talking about. And I think if anybody is in a texting relationship with you, they have to know from whence it comes. Like right. I, Nobody is going to get, and that's kind of your charm. That's the charm of Oliver Hudson. I was talking about this with your sister last night that she texted me. I was, because everybody in my little circle of friends knew that I was in LA and I talked to her, we were talking about the podcast and everything else. And then we were talking about you and the word charm came up. Like your charm is off the charts and Anybody who knows you well enough knows that you're not you don't have a mean bone in your body. So you're not trying to piss me off. It just hit a no. nerve with me at the wrong yeah. time. And we hit on pissed. each other's we hit on each other's nerves as friends and that's a normal thing and sometimes you take it too far. And if you're in love and you're really good friends and then you're it's easily it's easily pulled back, you know. It's like, "Hey, Sorry, dude. I fucked up. You hit a nerve with me. I, I I went for the jugular and it got out of control. But at the end of the day, you're my man. I love you. Let's fucking move past all of that. Well, I wasn't and, and able along to those do lines. That yeah, with along this those other lines. Situation. Right, but I did say like I showed the text chain to to Michelle, and I was like, "Is that okay?" <laughs> like, I wanted. Well, I wanted. I said I got into it with Oliver last night. She's like, "Why?" And I said, did my, first of all, did my coat look pink on TV? She's like, no. No, I, I, what are you it, talking about? It might have been my television, you know. Okay. But, all right. okay. But she was fine so with I it. So then I show her a, of like a freeze frame of the, of the text chain, at least the bitter end of it. I don't think mm -hmm. I rolled back to where you sent me Jackie Onassis's uh, <laughs> pea coat. But, <laughs> but she was like, oh. And she didn't really react. I was like, is that all right? She's like, yeah. And, and then just kind of went, Oliver. Like, that, it's just, it's like, Pff. it's like the pictures you send to her and me that are just, sometimes they're beyond Pff, Oliver. Sometimes it's like, holy <laughs> shit, Oliver. But uh, in this case, she kind of, uh, she kind of rolled her eyes. It wasn't like you shouldn't have gone there, but it was, it was, it was leaning more toward you kind of went a little overboard. So I'll say on the podcast, I went overboard, and I'm sorry that I got mm. mad at you while I was doing a nationally televised <laughs> game while you were giving me shit about my coat endlessly and not taking any hints. <laughs> hey, apology accepted. <laughs> I didn't – I was not looking for any kind of apology. Again, it's when you know each other as well as you and I know each other, when you understand, you know, the humor that you might have – with your friend and how sometimes things can get, you know, too heated or go overboard. That's natural. That that's that's good. Volatility sometimes isn't a bad thing if you can just come back from it, you know? And yeah. uh I uh I'm learning though. I mean I, I, I think this year has been very strange for me in um in that I'm forty four years old and I think that I'm finding my voice for the first time. You know what I mean? So I, it, 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 you know what I mean? Like I'm yelling at people. I'm, I'm having more, um, just feeling more and being able to express myself 
without fear easier and not worrying about the repercussions so much or that people like me. I think that's really what it comes down to. I think you get to a certain age. I think you get to a certain age and not everything's in the same on the same topic as this this one situation with you, but I think you get to a certain age and you look back on friends you had in high school, on friends you had in college, maybe even friends that you've maintained a relationship with since grade school and you you start reevaluating all these relationships because time becomes short you know whether it's because of work or it's because of kids or it's because of you know whatever's going on in your life and you've got to start trimming the herd down a little bit Mm -hmm. and you look back and you go well just because I was friends with that guy when I was 18 that's a long time ago. I'm, I'm a different person. Are they a different person? Are we still good as friends? Is, does this person get a lifetime pass to the friend zone with me? Mm-hmm. I, not everybody does. And sometimes that gets even into the category of, you know, relatives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get it. You're my relative, but what am I getting out of this? Or what? what I feel like I'm putting everything in. I'm not getting anything back. At some point when you get to a certain age, I don't know what that age is, but I feel like it's upper 30s, early 40s. You mm-hmm. start going, eh, I'm not really getting any. I feel like I'm doing my part, but I'm not getting anything out of that. So, you know, I'm, I'm, it goes into a different bucket. You know yeah. what I mean? They're not gone, but you, you have to really concentrate on your, your core group. And if you can't, if you don't have time for that because you're trying to serve all these different masters, so to speak, then mm-hmm. I, I think you're 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 doing yourself and them, your really close friends, a disservice. Yeah, I mean the other thing too with close close friends, at least in my experience, is you you don't need to be in each other's faces all the time. I mean, I have a core group of five best friends, and some I hang out with more than others. You know, there's a couple who I haven't seen in a long time. We don't talk on the phone every week. It's just known. It's just there, you know, and it's always been that way. We all went to different colleges. Well, a couple of us went to the same college, but we'd come home and hadn't even spoken in six or seven months. But you just pick right back up. You pick right back up, and there is no bullshit, you know, and there's no like, hey, why didn't you call me, or or how do you, how come you're not keeping in touch? No and, one and has those are, that. Those are not the ones I'm talking about. I'm talking right. about the ones that when they are in your life, it's like this is bringing me nothing but frustration. You know, we're, we keep we're missing on what the other person's saying, or they're getting pissed off about everything that I'm saying, or vice versa. And eventually, you go, ah, eh, mm-hmm. what's the point? Like, mm-hmm. so let's move to the next. <laughs> let's go to the next friend. Let's go to the next line. <laughs> Yeah. No, I know. I find that as I'm getting older too, you know, I'm, uh, I, I, I just, I don't like to make new friends really. It's, you know, I like yeah. meeting new people and, and meeting and having new acquaintances, but it's hard to, for me to open up to a lot of people just in general, you know, I'm yeah. good with where I'm at right now, but it has been nice to make new friends as you get older, which of course, I have my core group, but I also have like these amazing golf buddies, you know. Right. And then I'm meeting some new people over here, and it's it's kind of you know exciting in my older age. Make new um, friends and keep the old one is silver, the other's fucking gold. <laughs> I would hate. I hate the fact that Rumor Willis just heard that. I think, but she did. She might. It's okay. She's got a, she's got, hey, how are you? Hi, well, Rumor. 
I listened to her voice. Your voice, her voice is just beautiful. And I'm hoping maybe you learned a little something from that song, just about tone and pitch. You know. <laughs> you need to make yourself available to rumor, like just as some sort of a vocal coach or a, you know somebody that could help her yes. really fine tune her instrument that way. Yeah, I'm a great. I'm a great coach. Uh, where player. where are we finding you, Rumor? Where are you right now? Uh, I'm in LA at my house. With your new doggy? Well, yeah. I mean, there's always new dogs in this house, but we got Dolores right here on the couch. Mm, <laughs> Where's the baby, though? What's the uh, pa- uh, You guys, you guys, I can't even talk about it. I'm so devastated. So, what? So, Peach is basically auditioning with another family because I thought that I couldn't oh. handle Peach. No. And so they're either going to keep her or they're not. And if they don't keep her, then I'm going to take her back. But, you know, she's either way, she's going to be in a loving family. I, I had, a you know, a brain glitch. Okay, let me ask a question about this. How come you can't take Peach, just lifestyle, you can't deal with a dog? Simple as that? Well, you know... I live alone and she's a baby and yeah. she's a herding dog as well. So I heard that they require like a lot of training because they're used to herding cattle. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in LA, I don't have many cows around. <laughs> That's unfortunate. <laughs> that was going to be the answer. Just buy some cattle and let Peach do his or her thing. I assume. Her. Well, listen. I was going to move to Idaho for a little while and get some chickens and cattle. I was trying to convince my mom that this would be a good idea. She wasn't totally into it, but I'm hoping maybe after Christmas I can subtly just keep moving on that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. D- didn't you I- spend part of your childhood in in Idaho? Oh, yeah. A good chunk. And, and when How I much? see your your bio, born in in Paducah, so it's not like you're just straight L.A. your whole life. <laughs> um, it's so strange too. Whenever I think about that, I was born in Kentucky. Like, does that kind of make me a Southern woman? Don't yes. know. Maybe. Yes, that's. I'm gonna yeah. say um, yes. <laughs> but we we kind of hopped everywhere that my parents were. I mean, I didn't go to a full year of school until fifth grade. We spent time most of our time in Idaho but then we would go between New York and LA and then split between whatever sets my parents were on. Mhm. I sound I familiar know, Oliver? I know what you're talking you about. You know this game. Yes. Yeah, I mean not only that but even um sort of living in the mountains, you know Colorado has been sort of our Idaho. Yeah. I, I just got back. I was there for 6 months. I did what you probably want to do is uh, just get away, live, get into the mountains. It's such a special place for me and the kids and my wife even now. It's just, it is my sanctuary. I actually moved up to Colorado for two years in between gigs and put the kids in school there and we just lived, lived there. It's nice. I mean, I spent six months there during this quarantine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's like us. What was it like for you just going from set to set? You know, I know that for me, it was exciting. I mean, it was really, really fun. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, 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 how, here's how it fucked me up. I didn't establish a good work ethic in my life. <laughs> 
you know, because I, I wasn't in school enough to sort of deal with it. And we were jumping here and going there and had a tutor here and a tutor there. Yep. And, and now, you know, I, 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 I consider myself a talented person, but I feel like I'm leaving so much on the table because I just don't have the work ethic that I wish that I did. <laughs> Honestly, it's so interesting to hear you say that because I feel like it's one of the biggest things that I've struggled with or that I did struggle with was just finding drive and finding that hunger a little mm. bit, you know, finding that like, I have to do this. And if I don't do it, I feel like I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. Cause I was always a little bit just too aloof, you know, mm-hmm. because it just seemed like it was all there. And not that I took it for granted or had an expectation that it should be so easy for me or that it should get handed to me. But I don't know when you hear about people talking or young actors talking about, yeah, like I had to do it. And I, you know, I wasn't eating, but I showed up every day and I did all this. I just, it wasn't there as much as I wanted it to be. And it drove me crazy. Yeah. No, I I don't think it, it doesn't, it doesn't lessen your, your road to where you are right now. You you probably have no idea who I am, but I I broadcast sports for a living. My dad broadcast sports for a living. He's in two halls of fame and I followed him into the business. So I was around it. And I think the, the, the positive side of it is, uh, and there are many, I mean, you, when you're around it, it's in your DNA. You're not overwhelmed. For me, the first time walking into a broadcast booth, for you guys, the first time going on set when it's you and you're the one that's in the center of the stage. But I think the other part of it is that it's always kind of been, at least for me, baked into what I thought I would be anyway. So when I got to broadcast a Super Bowl or a World Series or whatever it might be, it it felt normal. And I I don't think it, it... I see a lot of people that that achieve success in my business and it's like, you know, they think the game is about them and it's really, it's not. And, and I, I don't know, maybe not having, maybe having the, uh, the leg up, uh, made things feel more natural. And it does, it's okay that you weren't a starving actor living out of a van that that Mm -hmm. not not everybody's trip is the same so exactly and by the way not everyone's struggle you know what i mean like the the, the issue that i have sometimes is and and rumor you might even deal with this there's this perception that you know we're we're and we are it's not a perception it is true true we're we're very lucky to be born the way that we were born and born into the family that we were were born into but that doesn't diminish our struggles as human yeah. beings, you know, it's, there's relative, there's relativity when it comes to that. You know, I, I had, I had major, major downs, major downs, you know, 100%. that I had to deal with and get through. And I'm, I'm sure you, you did as well. I, I was going to say like something I learned about that is like, just because your problems don't matter to some people, or I'm going to butcher this, but it's like, just because your problems don't matter, doesn't mean they don't matter to you. Or like to the world, yeah. you know what I mean? And like, right. you can only ever judge someone based on their experience. Obviously, all three of us have experienced mm-hmm. different things. That doesn't make what my reality or my experience of what I've experienced doesn't, like my 10 is a 10 for me. Mm-hmm. Right. Your 10 of like, shit is hitting the fan, I'm on fire, is what it is for you. Yeah. 
And it's going to be different. You know, like I never had to worry that there was food on my table or where, how I was going to eat. But that doesn't mean that when a situation of that caliber for what my reality is happened to me, that, that my body didn't have the same reaction of fear of unknowing Mm. of unsafety. Mm. And I think sometimes that's really difficult for people and even for myself sometimes to kind of align with and listen to, you know, like I I've had to deal with like addiction in my family and having to live through that and be scared and have, you know, a lot of stuff go down more. Mm. And like, I've had moments where I've been like, I have lived through more than like, I hope anybody has to and have a lot of scars because of that. But that doesn't mean that my stuff is any worse or better than anybody else's. Mm-hmm. It's just what my my stuff is. That's right. I think there's also a perception that, oh, you're just handed everything. You must not be very talented because you're just using nepotism or everything's been handed to you. So before you even do any work, before anybody's really seen what you can do, there's already this thing of, you know what? They're probably not that talented. Yep. That expectation too. You yeah. Know, there's always the expectation when you walk into the room. Oh, let's see how she does. Yeah. You know. Let's see. Are you worth anything? Yeah. Can you do it? Can you blow <laughs> us away? Because you already have, you know, it's not just some random guy or girl from the middle of nowhere. It's like, okay, well, either you're going to be amazing and blow us away or you're going to be shit. Mm-hmm. No in between. Yeah, no in between. No room to grow. How did you handle growing up in the spotlight? You know, what was that like for you? Did you hate it? Did you love it? I mean, I hated it. I, I, I When anyone would come up and talk to my mom or Kurt, I just, there was something about it that drove me crazy. You know, I just was like, leave us the fuck alone. Just please leave us alone. I did not dig it. I kind of, I didn't really totally understand it until I got a little bit older. And I think there was just something so exciting for me. Like I loved being on set because I, I wanted to be a grown up from the time that I was, you know, like five. I wanted to be an adult. I wanted to know all of the things I already wanted to have all the things going. And so I think what bothered me the most is how bothered they were Mm -hmm. because I didn't understand whether it was good or bad, but I think seeing how, you know, upset it would make, you know, my dad or my mom, if we would be out at Disneyland and people would be kind of coming up to them, I, I wouldn't understand. Or if people, if they would get frustrated and then go, we got to leave because it's going to get too crazy. I I didn't really understand. I was like, they just want to talk to you. They like you, you know, it's not nice. Someone just wants to say hi, but (laughs) you know, I get it when you're working all the time and, and you just want to have a moment to be a dad or to just be a person. Mm -hmm. But nowadays, especially because of social media, it's crazy. It's a different world. Totally different. You know, you have to be on all the time and watch what you're doing and what you're saying and who you're saying it to and all of that. I I think, though, this with regard to that rumor, 
with the, when you're used to having eyes on you and you were aware that eyes were on you when you were five, six, seven, when you're at Disneyland and you're with, you know, your parents and I, I was in the small town of, of St. Louis and Oliver certainly was. When you're used to that, at least you're a little bit better prepared for the world we live in now, which totally. is knowing that anything you do uh has the potential of showing up and becoming viral and whatever the hell it's it's going to become that you're a, a little bit better equipped to handle that than maybe somebody who's just finding fame that that has never experienced any of that stuff before is that fair yeah absolutely i mean look i think the hardest the the most difficult thing and i think even kind of to what oliver was saying earlier the thing that probably bought me to some of the lowest times was how judgmental people were about how I looked like right at, right at the beginning of the whole kind of social media TMZ, like blogosphere type shit. When you're in the public eye before I even chose to do it, you know, when I was like 14, 15, 16 years old and people are like, yeah, she's fucking ugly. Like who this, you know, she's not worth anything. She doesn't have a job. What is she doing? People just go in Mm. and there's no time to have an awkward stage. There's no time to figure yourself out, to find value in yourself, to find where do I fit in this? Where do I fit when my parents are these two huge kind of personalities and how do I fit into that in just being a person, let alone trying to do the same thing? Were you open about it? you know, with your parents and just how that hurts you and what that all was. And did they, was that, was it out on the table? And how did your dad deal with something like that? As a father, I have a daughter as well. And I want to go kill everyone. You know what I mean? I have that anger. (laughs) I might probably have to deal with, but, uh, you know, how did your dad react to all that? Was he pretty even about it? (laughs) He was like, my dad's response was to go up to kids (laughs) and say, and say, Hey, it's not okay to be mean. And I was like, I don't know if that's going to work. I appreciate it. You know, like, I don't know if people are going to really take that to heart. But, you know, one of the biggest things my mom always said to me was she tried to instill, like, you're unique and you don't take people's opinion. And, and I think what I have kind of evolved that into myself is if you're getting validation from people from the good, then you have to take the bad. So if you Mm -hmm. just put yourself in a place where you're not listening to the good or bad or using that as a bar to which by which to value yourself, then I would say it's a lot healthier, but it's hard not to, how can you not Yeah, as a human being, you know, but do you ever allow yourself to realize how talented you are? I mean, I think that's the hard that's the hard part in it. When you win dancing with the stars, you know, I know it's a TV dance competition, but okay, I couldn't win that. I mean, you you were you won that. Nobody handed you that. Or when you're, you know, Roxy Hart on Broadway, or when you you get roles and you're doing good work and you, do you ever allow yourself or is there always that little voice? Cause I mean, to some degree there is for me, there's always that little voice in your head that's going, yeah, but <laughs> you know, we all know how you got your start. We all know, you know, you're related yeah. to, do you ever allow yourself to go, man, I, I, I just, 
I just did really well. Do you do you ever allow yourself to to pat yourself on the back? Oof. I mean, sometimes, yeah. I think I think Dancing with the Stars was cool because it was so different and it was not something that my parents had ever done. It was so outside the realm of my norm. And I'd never danced before. I never, you know, like I had no training. I barely even worked out before that. So that was a pretty cool, but again, yeah, I, I mean, I'm a huge perfectionist. So I have that it's never enough. Like, I feel like I could literally reach EGOT status and be like, Oh man, I haven't climbed Mount Everest. I'm a piece mm-hmm. of shit. but that's drive but that but you that that's the drive you say you didn't have or you don't have because well she said she got it she found it out of a van she found you found the drive you found that you found that thing that you would die for okay i retract my which is but 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 which is what by the way what what is that because i if you have any tips (laughs) (laughs) well but what's interesting is like i have those goals right and like, I, I, I believe it's possible for me. I think that I'm talented enough to potentially like reach EGOT status one day. Mm-hmm. That's, I'm going to make that my goal to the universe and hope that maybe I get a fraction of it. Right. But that's what I'm putting out there to try and manifest. Mm-hmm. But I think where the drive comes in, and I don't know if you have this as well, Oliver, that's difficult, is the, the steps that take you there. Like, yeah. I, I'm good with that huge goal. And I'm like, yeah, that's going to happen. But finding the drive to do all of the little micro steps that will actually get you to the place where that's a possibility seems impossible sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 I totally. I mean, that's why that's where you sit back on your laurels and you're like, okay, get the fuck up. Do it. Work hard. Work harder than everybody else, you know. But but then then it gets into the realm of what are you? What makes you happy? You know what I mean? Like if I'm happy where I am, then fuck everyone else for saying, "Oh, you're wasted potential." And you know, sometimes my family and I don't get into it. We start talking, and it's like, "I'm," but I'm I'm good. You know, I've done television shows and I've made some money and I've got three kids and I've got an amazing family. It's like, I'm, I'm good. I'm happiest now. Maybe I won't be happy if all of a sudden I'm fucking grinding and grinding, you know, that's not inherently who I am. I I mean, listen, Oliver, you were one of my favorite parts of Dawson's Creek. So, well, see, (laughs) there you go. (laughs) You were in Dawson's Creek. Yes, yeah, it was. it was the last season. No, I know, I know. Come on, um, Joe. You know you love Dawson's I Creek. Know. I loved it. He loved was it. like, I'm, I'm, I'm rewatching. Right how now. was oh, how was doing yeah. Broadway? Because this, a play is something that like I really want to do because I love that instant gratification, that feeding off yeah. of whatever's happening in the audience. But at the same time, I am completely terrified. Really? And I'm not oh god and I'm not terrified to be a bad actor. I'm terrified of one thing specifically and that is forgetting my lines and standing up there like a complete asshole and having nowhere to go. That's scary, so scary to me and I've never done a play in my life, not one. Well, I'll tell you this. I did Broadway and one of the actors who was acting with me forgot his lines. And you know what? It was okay. 
What happened though? Did you pick him up? Someone, someone from the side of the stage started feeding him lines. I mean, I was terrified because I had never experienced that. It wasn't even me and I was freaking out, but you know what? Let's just do a play. Let's go to Idaho or Colorado and we can put it on a play. I would love it. I, I, I threaten that doing Carbondale Community Theater. I mean, all the time. I'm like, well, let's just fucking move here. I'll do some little community theater in Carbondale, and and, it's and, we'll, so and fun. we'll figure it out. Yeah, Broadway though is like, I mean, the, it's it's a whole nother beast because you have to love it because you really don't get a day off. Especially mm. for some reason, we were working. Our day off was Wednesday, so I would do you know a Monday, Tuesday, have the day off Wednesday and then do a five show weekend and then do Monday, Tuesday. And, but, but, but on Wednesday, especially if you're doing a musical, you don't get to go out. You can't go to, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I don't drink anymore, but like you can't go to a bar and Mm -hmm. be talking loud and, you know, hanging out with your friends. Cause if you lose your voice, you're toast. Yeah. Oh my God. How long was that run? How long were you how long were you on it in it? Um I think I did it for 3 months. My my start was delayed because I was coming off Dancing with the Stars and I had broken my foot. And so I thought I was going to be better, but then I'm trying to do rehearsals in this boot and it was just a disaster. <laughs> I would imagine that's the part the physicality of it, not just the, you know, the physicality of being on Broadway. Uh, it's got to be something that just grinds you down. You know, it's not just vocally, but just if you're, you know, dancing and doing whatever you have to do and, you know, you're coming off a broken foot. That's, you know, I cover athletes for a living and, and there's an athletic element there that I think gets overlooked a lot of time. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think towards the end of it, I went to my doctor. I did this weird thing. I can't believe I'm saying this. I, <laughs> I was... During the show, like when I was doing Broadway, I kept eating Altoids, but I would eat like a tin a day and just chew them. (laughs) And I would eat ice chips a lot. And someone goes, oh, you know, you should check your iron levels because that might be pica, which is what little kids get when their iron is low, where they eat dirt or they eat weird stuff. Hmm. And so when when I got home and I was done, (laughs) my doctor was like, your iron is so low. You're so depleted that I'm shocked that you can even wake up in the morning. Wow. And that's why I was doing it, just because it makes you want to chew things. Who knows? And did you supplement iron and, and did your whole energy pick up? I mean, did it actually? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just, I had never worked that hard in my life. I went literally straight from Dancing with the Stars. I did the tour with them or parts of it, moved to New York, was rehearsing for Broadway, did it, and then was just so wiped. At the end of it, I think my body just kind of crashed. Yeah. So, what so does this your make you want to do? Does this make you want to do plays, Oliver? Make you want to do? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I do, yeah, I want to do the uh, boys bye from bye Syracuse. Birdie. Yeah, kids, I don't know what's wrong with these kids today. Kids, I was just singing this in my car. You guys, I want to redo Bye Bye Birdie. You do? Yeah. Is, why can't they be like we were perfect in every perfect way? In every What's way? the matter with kids, kids today? today? It's so good. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> My dream is to be Anne Margaret. Yeah, yeah. And Paul mm. Lind is the father. Um, 
You, this this podcast is called Daddy Issues. I I obviously I don't think I've ever met your father, uh, but just I know the perception is not always reality from the outside looking in. But I just feel like he would have been a fun, cool dad, and to this point, still has to be a rock for you. Is that right? He's just. It's so funny because the perception of my parents is so backwards. Like my dad is. L- always looked at as like the disciplinarian and like tough diehard guy. He literally was a safety freak. He was so goofy and like you guys, I had to wear, I had to wear a helmet, wrist guards, knee pads, elbow pads to go ice skating. And everyone else has on their cute little ice skating outfit and I have a helmet (laughs) on and I'm going, okay. Um, he was so goofy. Like we, he would just do the weirdest stuff. We would be at a dinner table in, at a restaurant and it would be crowded. And all of a sudden he would just go, woo, and make everyone at the table do it. Or we'd be leaning outside the car and be like, I don't know, we'd see a random person and go, Hey, Matt, Matt Damon, what's going on, buddy? How you doing? And people would just look at the car and think we are crazy people. <laughs> I love that stuff. I but that's that is the role of a father. I have two girls that are now 24 and 21 and I picked them up from school in a full-on Barney costume one time. I I just, I wanted, it was my goal every day to somehow embarrass them. Maybe it's because I wanted them to learn how to laugh at themselves and not take themselves too seriously, which I could probably uh, use a dose of myself at the age of 51. But I, I think... That 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 I love hearing that because that's the way I parent my girls and now I have two little boys that are two and a half years old and it is my job to make them just put the pin in the balloon and make them like go wait what the hell was that and keep them on their toes and make them laugh I, I think that's great were you able to were you able to go to your dad you know when you were a young girl for issues and problems and you know boys. Or because I again I have my daughter she's seven years old now and we have such a loving relationship and I fear that once she gets older <laughs> that's going to separate I don't even want to think about it but did that continue how does that how did that work for you I mean my dad and I used to really butt heads when we were younger and I think he was just so stubborn and I was too that then. I don't know. I I didn't necessarily always go to him for advice for stuff, but, but then he would just show up sometimes, you know? And I would say if I could give any advice from the daughter's perspective is just continue to ask her about stuff, even if she's not coming to you, you know, even if she feels uncomfortable or is like, dad, I don't want to talk to you about boy stuff. Be like, no, what's going on? Like, who's this guy? Or how does that make you feel? Or what's going on? Because I think my dad was just of a different generation where you you don't really yeah you don't really talk about that kind of stuff with your daughters. I mean, I he has taught me everything that I know about music. He it's why I have such you know such a diverse and old school kind of sense of music. He mm-hmm. I think is why I'm have any sort of comedy, you know. And a lot of those things I got, but it was, we didn't necessarily have that kind of relationship, but I don't know if I necessarily had that with my mom. 
either. I was very, I was a little bit private with some of my stuff with them. Was it different, different with your sisters? I mean, was was each relationship different? Uh, You know, just as far as your parents go and, and how that worked? Maybe a little bit with my mom or just me. Like I, I've had a very different kind of evolution than my sisters have. You know, I, I knew very early on exactly what I wanted to do. I was like, I want to be an actor and I want to be a singer. I didn't want to go to college. I was so frustrated that I even had to apply. And, and I had basically been taking care of myself for the most part since I was 18 and working and doing stuff. And I think it took a little bit longer for my sisters to kind of figure out exactly what their passion was. And thankfully, you know, they had an, have an amazing support system of our family to have been given that time to figure it out. Mm-hmm. But Scout went to Brown, which is incredible. I applied there, didn't get in. It's fine. <laughs> whatever. You seem bitter. <laughs> whatever. Yeah, it's fine. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> no, I did my one semester at USC and that was enough. Yeah. Well, uh, did you feel as the oldest that you had to kind of play defense for your sisters too, though, when your parents who are as famous as they are and certainly uh, always have been uh, split up when you were 12 years old? Did you feel like you had to protect your sisters at all? I think just naturally as a part of who I am, I, without anyone asking me to, just decided from a very young age that I was also their mother, um, which they did not like at all. And, you know, when you're 10 years old, that comes off as very bossy. And even though in my mind, I was like, well, I have to teach them this because they need to know. And it's important, you know, when you're only three years older than your sibling, you don't want them telling you what to do. But it's grown now. We have, like, my sisters are my best friends. We have an incredible relationship. And I'm unbelievably protective of them as they are of me. And it's amazing because we have our own built-in support system of people who, you know, there's nobody else who's lived through what we have and who really can understand all the different dynamics. And when we would travel when we were kids, as I'm sure kind of you had this well, Oliver, like you're just with your, your family, you're with your siblings, you know, you don't, you're not traveling with friends from school. That's all you get. Mm -hmm. And what was that? If, if, if you don't mind talking about it, what that conversation like, cause that is, that's feels so gnarly where it's like, okay, we're going to sit the kids down and say, Hey guys, look, we still are friends, but here's what's happening. I mean, how, how does that play out? I actually, sorry to cut myself off, but I actually have a friend. He's the first one of my group of friends, and he's just, we just got the, he just told us that he's separating. And he's got two girls who are, you know, 10 and 8, and it's like, holy shit, and it, 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 he's dreading this moment. You know, it's tough, but like, what's so interesting is the only memories I really have of them are, are not of them together. Like, I don't really remember a whole lot of my parents actually being married. I don't ever really remember seeing them fight. Mm. I remember one time my mom, you know, my dad was living in the guest house on the same property when mm. we were younger. And I remember my mom coming over one morning and being upset about something. And that's really it. But 
they did such an incredible job of putting whatever feelings they had aside. I never had to split holidays. I never had to choose between family vacations. For a little while, my dad bought the house across the street from my mom's in Idaho. And so there was never a point in my life where I ever felt like I was, you know, put like being played against them. And I had a lot of friends whose parents had gotten divorced where that was the case. Yeah. Well, that's wow. beautiful. I mean, I, that's I've been health, through it. I've shit. been through it as a parent. Yeah. And I've, I've had that conversation, Oliver, with my girls. And it is the nothing has scared me more than starting in on that conversation. Not, that's not, funny. I've never asked you about that, Joe. Like, what was that like when there was the sit down of here it is? Oh, it's horrible. I mean, they're my best friends. They were then, they are today. And when you were telling your kids, and it's so complex, and yet the bottom line to them is mom and dad aren't going to be together. And there are so many reasons why. And I think when you get to that point, the kids know that something's off and the kids are, are kind of aware. They were 13 and 10, I think, when yeah. it, when that went down. It's not like it hits them out of the blue. Kids are so aware of little tells and little things that happen that it was like okay but you still have to you still have to do it and it's it's the hardest thing i've ever done in my life i i i dread it for anyone else for your friend oliver and then i didn't have that as a kid with my parents were together but for you guys i just think it's beautiful that's why when i read rumor your your bio and the closeness that exists between your mom, your dad, your dad's wife, I assume they did get married, and then yeah. they have two girls. It just seems like, especially for a, a situation that's played out so publicly, this thing has been handled about as well as it could be, and now everybody's able to be together and there's no, there's no stress on it. That, that, that's beautiful. That's so hard to do. I feel really grateful. I mean, look, when we were in quarantine, it was... My mom, my dad, my stepmom, Scout and Tallulah, my younger sisters, Mabel and Evelyn. And we were all together. And it's and you would never think there's no tension. It's not like, okay, now we're going to just all sit together and kind of not talk about the elephant in the room. It's fine. There was a little while where Emma was still in L.A. and my dad was there. And so it was just the five of like the original five of us in the house together. And it was incredible. I don't think we'd been in the house together just the five of us since we were kids. Mm. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, that that's is crazy. so unique. It's, it's, so, it's unique. so unique. Yeah, yeah. it didn't work and, out that way for me necessarily. <laughs> Not in the beginning. You know, I didn't know what was going on when I was a kid and they divorced and Kurt came into my life and, you know, changed it. I mean, he was, he's my father. And he, he is, I am the man that I am because of him, but it's still a whole different dynamic. And he's got his kid and, and now I'm trying to, you know, see my father and, and that relationship between Kurt and my dad was sort of, it was even, but you know that my dad was probably like, oh fuck. Okay. Kurt Russell comes into his life and what, where do I fit into all of this? Yeah. You know, um, we've, we've, we've established, and I've talked about it many times on the show, but we've established a relationship finally um, it's been 13 years since I had seen him and we finally, it's kind of happening in the way that it, the way that it's supposed to, which is slow and steady, but at least it's something. Yeah. Know? But it's nice to hear that you can have a healthy 
amicable situation with all the kids and the stepkids and the stepmoms, you know. It's not, I'm sure it's not without its issues. There has to For be sure. issues I, at times. I think it takes, I think it really takes letting go of your ego and any pride or any desire to hold on to being a victim or mm-hmm. being angry and just going at the end of the day, it's about my kids. Mm-hmm. And you can have feelings, you can have whatever. And I'm talking like I've been married and divorced, but <laughs> <laughs> I know how to do it, guys. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think it's just, it's just about going back to, okay, what is, what is really the case? We all love each other. Even though we drive each other crazy. There were times during quarantine, I wanted to strangle my father, mm-hmm. you know, and but at the end of the day, I'm so unbelievably grateful that I got to spend so much time with him. I have not spent that much time with him consecutively since I was a child. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing. Yeah. His best role, by the way, it was when he worked with my mom, he did uh, a movie called Death Becomes Her. You ever seen that? My favorite, too? by the way. Oh, my favorite. It's Robert Zemeckis. Bruce gets to play someone he, he never, ever would have played. And, and has it, never played again. Never played again. And it's funny that you say, oh, there's this misperception of who he is. It's almost like, oh, well, maybe he's more like that dude with the little mustache and little nerdy and sort of like, oh, wait a minute. you know. <laughs> By the way, I was just thinking the other day because I was looking through baby photos and I found one of me on the set because I just showed um, – I watched that movie like four nights ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder if we were ever there at Probably. the same time. I'm sure oh, we yeah. were. Yeah. Yeah. Your mom that is was such a, a babe in that movie. Oh, I know. The whole movie was so great. It's like an underrated, really great movie, especially now. Think about how re- how relevant it is right now, you know. Oh, it's it speaks to so many things. And by the way, like Isabella Rossellini in that movie, mm. nothing better. Mm-hmm. Like that is that is all I aspire to be as yeah. a human being in the world. Yeah. But <laughs> it, yeah, there's there's something so smart and so timeless about the idea. And it bums me out because movies like that are not made anymore. And it has such great commentary, but also so much kind of dark humor, but that's so relatable and magic. I mean, I've literally wanted to dress up like that for Halloween. I don't even know how many times I know I can literally repeat half of the dialogue while I'm watching the movie. It's a disaster. He's way older than you, by the way. So if you guys were on that set together, he might have been babysitting you. But uh, let's not pump his tires anymore, okay? He's a lot older. Wait, I, I don't feel like that much older than me. How old are you, Oliver? 44. 4'4". Four, four. That's not that much older, No. It's, it's what do you a mean? nice I'm, chunk of time. Yeah, but back then it's like the kid the kids were all thrown like in a room basically. I know. And they were like, "Okay, you guys play, figure it out." I can't tell you how many stories I have of people who were like, "We used to bathe together, like our parents, we did play dates." Like <laughs> Did I you know. and Rumor used to bathe That's really together? Funny. That's really <laughs> funny. Yes, yes, this is it's a little known fact. Untold stories of Hollywood children. On the set (laughs) of Death Becomes No wonder Hollywood's so fucked up. 
<laughs> Truly though, you guys, I was talking to some friends of mine whose parents are also in the industry. We were, I was doing something where there's a bunch of us and I was like, I feel like I want to start a support group for mm. the parents because I have, I feel like a lot of them just like don't date anymore or like don't have a lot of friends. And so mm. I was like, they, they need to have like a support group where they can just be with the other. <laughs> it's you know. a great idea. <laughs> it's a good idea (laughs) yeah what you said earlier made me think of something and and i don't know indulge me on this but but for me and god knows people that listen to this podcast are tired of me talking about this but for me as a let's say heavier set kid uh earlier in life I feel like those scars, no matter you know how fit you get or how you evolve physically, that getting made fun of on the playground, that stuff doesn't ever go away. And it made me think of Michael Phelps when I interviewed him on a show I did on DirecTV, and we put a picture up of of him with I don't know eight. He was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, eighteen gold medals around his neck. And I said to him on a stage in front of two hundred people, "When you look at that picture, Michael, what do you think of?" And he said, I think of a kid with big ears and a weird smile and uh, a kid that got made fun of on the playground. Meanwhile, to the rest of the world, we see 19, 18 gold medals around his neck. And, And I wonder for you growing up, hearing all that bullshit when you were, you know, growing and going through puberty and everything else that you do. And now do you, I mean, do you, do you realize how beautiful you are? Do you do you, or do you or do do those old scars never go away? And you're always hard on yourself if you look at yourself in the mirror. Because to the rest of the world, you're a beautiful woman, but you still have that. Do you still have that voice in your head from when you were 13 with with somebody saying something about you? I mean, a hundred percent. You know, like that's. It's like no matter who tells you, no matter what you win, what like covers you do of magazines, whatever, like whatever, even if you are lauded the highest award of beauty in the world, there's this feeling of I'm not enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm, you know, I mean, I talked about this kind of when I was doing Dancing with the Stars, but like people would say that I looked so like whenever people say that I look like my dad, it literally crushes me inside. And I wish that it didn't, but you know, or people say something, anything negative, I can be having a great day and it makes me feel like shit. And I've done a lot of work around it and it's a lot better than it was, but it's so hard when your, when your value of yourself is based on how other people perceive you. And just, and and that's just purely by circumstance because I was you know, people knew who I was before I decided to allow people to know who I was, if that makes sense. You know, before Mm -hmm. I made a choice, people were already deciding who I was, what I looked like and whether or not I was like valuable because of that. And, oh, you know, her parents are so good looking. Why, you know, if if she's not like people have said some nasty shit about my sisters and Mm. I and Mm. about how we look. And, and these are adults. I mean, adults. I mean, 
adults. These are not the other kids. These are fucking adults that are grown ass and, and now yeah that that are like picking on a thirteen year old and now I mean they must look at you like you know, Jesus. I mean, I feel like you couldn't look less like your dad. I feel like I'm talking to your mom right now. And I don't know either one of even, them. It's even scarier when I like have longer hair and I put my glasses on. I did it the other day and I was talking to someone and I looked in the mirror and I was like, oh my God. Okay. Do you, yeah, are you able to look in the mirror right now though? Like, hey, do you look in the mirror and, and, and in the morning or whenever you're going out and you're like, I'm, I'm the shit right now. I look hot. I'm beautiful. Have, and let's, I, let's do it. I have days that are like great or times, but you know, like they left really deep scars. That was so formative for me to hear a constant barrage of how I wasn't enough or how I wasn't pretty. And, you know, it didn't help that because I traveled so much with my parents, my social skills with kids my age were not great. I just wanted to be around adults. And so I didn't, I wasn't really very good at navigating like I started getting bullied in like elementary school, you know, it, it started in elementary school and hasn't really ever stopped. So mm-hmm. I, I feel like I have this wall up constantly. And, you know, if we're going on brand, like if I have daddy issues by any means, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's definitely affected my relationships with men on a mm-hmm. deep level because I feel like, if there's men that are like emotionally unavailable that I can kind of keep it like a safe distance so that I don't really have to be seen because that's terrifying. That's so much more comfortable for me than someone who's like, yo, you're beautiful. I'm going to show up for you and like love you. And you don't have to prove yourself to me. That but is isn't terrifying. that, but isn't that, wasn't your dad that kind of a person for you? It's funny because when you're dealing with parental issues and believe me, I have my share it, it it came from those moments in childhood that were traumatic, you know, whether it be my dad leaving and him then just bailing. Um, well, I've done a crazy amounts of work on myself. We won't get into it, but I went to this place called the Hoffman Institute, which was yeah. unbelievable for me. Yeah. Changed my whole life. And I went in there thinking I was going to talk about Kurt and my dad and my mom for sure, but she's been the constant it flipped. It was all about her and what I needed from her and what I couldn't get from her just circumstantially, you know, because she was a movie star and she was working and she was having to go do all that. And, you know, I paid for that a little bit, meaning I couldn't be there all the time. People are wanting her attention and all in that moment, I just need, I just needed her to love me all the time because of the trauma that I was experiencing in that moment with not having a dad, with having a new stepdad come in. Um, But that came from them. This, your situation has seemed to come from sort of an outside source and not from your dad to create these sort of deep seated issues but I guess they did in a way, meaning well, starts, being bullied or made fun of. That, though. Right. It starts right. with your parents. You know what I mean? It starts like my dad in, by no means like abandoned me, but he was working all the time. Yeah. Same situation that I was dealing like, with. You know, working all the time. And I would say that I spent the majority of the time with my mom. And so even if someone, even if he's not like peace out, like I got to go. When you're a kid, you're still like, I just want love, like just accept me, just love me. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a weird 
thing that we all do, which is trying to replicate in our, you know, intimate partnerships, kind of these relationships that we have with our parents as a sort of kind of self-fulfilling prophecy of, let me just prove to myself how unlovable and how unvaluable I am by subconsciously picking people who aren't going to show up for me. Mm -hmm. And you think, and that's what's going on even right now. I mean, you think that's the reason that you, you're not married or have a, you know, steady relationship. I mean, is that what you break it down to? And are you trying to resolve that? I mean, it's like, fuck this. I want this in my life. And what am I going to do to get it? For sure. I mean, like you, like I went, not to Hoffman, but I've been doing crazy, crazy work on myself for a long time. You know, I got sober almost four years ago and even before that, but since then I have been heavily working on just, okay, what are these old stories? What are these held narratives that I have about myself that are keeping me limited that no one else is doing to me that I'm kind of putting on myself But it's interesting, even though I've done a ton of work, there's still, like, I I got stood up the other day. Like, full on stood up. Full on stand up. Who stands anybody up? Everybody's so findable. How do you get, how how do you get stood up? That's like so old school. (laughs) I know. You know, I showed up somewhere and I was like, hey, I'm here. And when I say, like, I had a great outfit on, I was like, probably TMI, but I was like covered in cocoa butter. Yeah. Like I was so stoked. I, I, I love amazing. me some cocoa butter. I, I, you know, I like, love, oh, I love cocoa. Is butter. that, is that why the nails are on right now? The nails were on for the, for the day. You could, you could kill this person with those nails. By the way. So what happened though? He, he just literally was like, Oh, sorry, I'm not making it. I showed up to the house and he was like, Oh my God, I forgot. <laughs> And I'm not home and I don't have my car. Oh, God. And I was like, cool. (laughs) Um, Well, okay. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Where did you meet (laughs) this? Where did you meet this guy to begin with? Through mutual friends. And I was just like, okay, cool. And obviously, look, I'm like a rational, grown ass woman and I've done a lot of work. I know that that's not really about me. Mm-hmm. that they can't show up and it's not a reflection of me. But still in the moment, you're like, you forgot about me. Oh How did God. you forget about me? This and then, guy. and then like me as a, me then as a 13 year old is like, see, you're just, you know, you're yeah. a piece of shit and no one yeah. loves you and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> whatever. Well, I'm going to find Wilder Valderrama <laughs> and kill him. Oh God, no. That's <laughs> I'm like kidding. my older brother. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> You should send. You should at least send the guy a bill for like for a big thing of cocoa butter and say, "See what you missed." <laughs> yeah, that's all. By the way, it's fine because like I can reuse that outfit now on someone. You know, right? Yeah, and, and, yeah. and by the way, you know, you don't want that kind of a dude anyway. You know, no. how are you even dating now in the COVID era? How does it? How do you date? Like what happens nowadays in the COVID era with dating? I mean, I mean, rapid testing. I get, I get tested quite a bit anyway, just because I want to. Um, but then I'm, I'm like, if you want to hang out with me, you have to get tested today. And so, like, like rapid tests, like show me the results yeah. and let's hang out. <laughs> That's amazing. I feel, you know what's funny though, you guys? I feel like literally people are more intense about 
COVID testing than they are about STD testing. Oh, oh my God, of course. Like it's so, like, uh, so yeah. much more. Well, yeah. considering I'm not going to go to uh, a restaurant and walk away with an STD, I may, if the waiter breathes <laughs> on me, you know, walk out with COVID. So maybe but there are there's young some... people in the world like trying to date, you know? Yeah. I know. But by the way, why don't we do rapid STD testing? I mean, if you just pull out of your pocket, you got a little thing, you go, cuck, 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 like, oh, great, clean. Honestly, we should create that. We'd make a yeah, shit ton of money. We can make a shit ton of money. You know Rapid whose mind would be blown STD. with that? Dr. Anthony Fauci. Oh my god, <laughs> you imagine? He's so excited. Every every day he has to show we've got uh we've got some testing here for gonorrhea, <laughs> uh syphilis, uh the clap, which is back from my day. Uh these are the things we're looking for. Yeah, that would be great. People would be so excited. Uh, they would be. Yeah, <laughs> haven't seen the clap for a number of decades, but uh, let's just say I had a great week. Right. It's back, baby. Right. The last case I saw was well, myself uh, and Trump. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my god, it's uh, a rough world well, out there, you guys. In dating, let me tell you, it is rough. Oh this, God! I can't. Like, do you did, want? Did you did you guys like ghost? Do this whole ghosting thing back in the day? N- no, no. I, I I didn't date. I I knew whether this person was gonna. I'm gonna be in love with this person, or it's purely gonna be fun. And I I was I was I had three girlfriends. One of them turned out to be my wife. But three years, three years, high school, three years, and a middle three years, and then my wife. And everything in between was just party time and having fun. Totally. You know, because I couldn't do the two week or the one month or the it three months. It feels weird. Yeah, I'm like, I know that this person is not my person, but we have a fun chemistry and let's have a good time. And, you know, that's, that's, that's yeah. that. So I didn't know the whole ghosting. I don't even know what ghosting world. is. That's how old I am. I, I have just, no, what does that mean? It's just bailing, For, right? I mean, yeah, it's like literally be, saying, like, I'm having a great time with you. Like, I'll see you on Sunday. Or let's hang out next week, and then you just never hear from them again. <laughs> that's insane. That's I'm not even kidding you. That's you because people it's are so crazy. chicken shit exactly. to be honest with each other yep. and go, hey, look, I had two years of being single and in the midst between marriages, and it sucked. I hate it. There's too much guilt. There's too much expectation. There's too much... It's. I mean, I understand why it happens, but God, those are bad, brutal people. And this guy is an idiot. He did you a favor by not showing up because you would have eventually found out the guy was just, you know, in a moron. Yeah, everyone's everyone. Everyone is just they're, they're, they don't. They're so afraid to say what they feel. You I know, know. Nowadays, and and you know, it's funny because right before you came on, rumor Joe and I were talking about you know how I have at the age of 44, like kind of found my, my voice as just my, I guess my anger or my just ability to say the things that I feel without worrying if they're going to like with that, with that person's going to like me anymore. Right? Totally. Cause I, it's the same thing. You and I are, are similar in that way. Like I, I just want, I don't want people not to like me. And that's why everything is rolled off my back. I'm a laid back guy in general. That's not fake, but I do seethe, and in my 44th year of life, for some reason, 
I've let it all go. This is go. your 45th year. This is your 45th. Sorry. Sorry. 45th year of life. I've let it all go. And I'm like yelling at people. I'm losing friends. I'm fucking this. I'm that. Yeah. And even Kate, Kate, my sister's like, what is wrong? What happened to you? I'm like, I don't know. It's all coming out right now. I, I don't I don't know what's happening. <laughs> it's good though, man. It's so important to find those parts of you that you just kind of get small because you're like, I just don't want to like offend anyone. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. I don't want to seem too entitled or like I have an ego. Like I just want to be in the back. Mm-hmm. But you know, like I'm kind of dating someone right now and I and I had a chat with him the other day and I was like, look, I'm I'm kind of I freak out a little bit when like someone shows up for me. So this is new. So you're gonna have to mm-hmm. be patient with me. Mm-hmm. And he was like, totally. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. That's like, thank you for telling me. And I was like, what's wrong with you? Like, why, why yeah. can you communicate what this is yeah. weird? Oh, uh, uh, communication. It's so easy, but so hard. I mean, it, it, that is the key. And it's so trite, but it is the key to yeah. a good, good relationship, friendship, you know, intimate relationship, Everything. whatever it is. Just fucking talk. I feel this way. You're making me pissed off because of this. Because that resentment builds up and then boom. It just it just calcifies, yes. you yep. know, and then it just gets deeper and deeper, and then you're done. You know that communication is. Then is, you ghost. Then you go. Then you ghost. ghost. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you want? Wait, wait, kids? Wasn't wasn't your mom in Ghost? She was, but I don't think she's ever ghosted someone. <laughs> you need to send um, whoever this guy is this podcast. I think he he will walk away from this experience knowing yes. a lot more about you, Rumor. Yeah, I, just, I do too. What, what Give I feel him like my is, number. He's, he's probably so embarrassed, right? Yeah. Like I feel like ninety. No, not of the that time, guy. The guy that you that you're saying that that you're having like a healthier relationship oh i've i've there's no mystery to me i've laid it all on the table for this person mm-hmm. and somehow they're still hanging out so Ooh, you know good. that's fucking great that's i'm just good. like i'm sorry because i know i'm not that girl who can be like aloof and mysterious mm-hmm. i'm like yo i've got some trauma my parents are crazy mm-hmm. i've dealt with some crazy <laughs> shit i'm sober <laughs> and i like <laughs> you mm-hmm. do you want to be hard it's like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> is sober a hard thing for this person as, assuming they're not sober because i think you know if i want to go out and have a couple drinks like with my wife or whatever that i i don't know how that would play it doesn't bother me when people drink like i i have no problem being around it whatsoever it's not triggering it's i'm not like oh yes i'm jonesing this is so hard mm-hmm. um i know that that's not the case for everybody but um I made my choice more so because I was like having panic attacks when I would drink about how awful I was going to feel the next day. Mm. And so I kind of had this moment where I was like, why am I doing this? This is dumb. I'm not even like enjoying this. And so I was just going to do sober January. And then I kind of just kept going. Yeah. (laughs) However many years later. Plus, like, also, I was the last holdout. Like, my mom is sober, and then Tallulah got sober, and then Scout got sober. So I was the asshole at Christmas who was like, drive me up to town in Idaho. Let's go to the right. casino bar. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone was like, no, rumor. Like, we want to stay home. And there's no Uber in Idaho. So mm-hmm. I was like, fuck, okay. Go <laughs> oh, fine. I, I'm just going to jump on the sober too. train. There's another business we can start. Uber in Idaho. I think there's one driver now. We've got one. Um, 
Kevin. Well, before Kevin. before he goes everywhere. Before we uh, we get going, I just want to talk about your activism, and I know that's a big part of your life, and and how that, you know, how that started, when that started, when you felt the pull to say, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm, I need to stand up, I need to do do my part. I mean, I think there's always been a uh, a part of me that wanted to find a way to use my voice. And I don't know whether or not that was because I had some guilt about how I grew up or whatnot, but I think I really, again, like it's so silly, but like when I was on dancing with the stars, I opened up a lot about my struggles with my insecurities and my self image and the outpouring of support I got and of women writing me and being like, you inspire me so much. Like, thank you. You are like, you are the reason that I have been able to love myself and you opening up about your struggles. And so what I realized was if you show up in your vulnerability and, and you're not trying to act like you have it all together. And that's why I try to be open about that. I don't have it all figured out. And, and I try to not have carry shame about, you know, that, I'm still figuring out how dating works and I'm still figuring out how self-love works. And I'm not just, you know, I don't sit kind of on a tower being like, yes, I love myself and I'm beautiful and I'm great. Like everything's perfect because the truth is, is when people can see and connect with that, then there's like hope. It's the same reason why people love going to the movies or hearing a song when you can see your story reflected in a, in a larger way. I think it really resonates. I mean, it certainly has with me in, in my own, you know, things that I've looked up to, but I think it's just really important to, to be vulnerable, to be honest and to talk about things that maybe don't get as much light, like talk about bullying, talk about, you know, body shaming things and talk about how women are sexualized, but, can't talk about sex and can't express themselves whatever the the thing is I just I want to be able to open up a dialogue so that people can have a conversation about it and it not Mm -hmm. feel like it's taboo thing yeah no it's important I mean it's important too for a lot of like young young men young boys today too to hear this you know I have two young boys and a little girl 13 10 and 7 and um they they ha- they already have just an inherent respect for women just based on their grandmother and their aunt and their mother you know and even me i mean they can look at their dad and see how much reverence and respect that i have for the women in my life and how i look up to the women in my life both kate my wife and my mother but yeah. you know it, it's also a time to sort of explain to these boys what consent means totally. consent is something that goes a little deeper than just the word nowadays you know consent just seems on the surface oh it's a yeah you know yeah yeah yes or no there's a feeling that has to happen i watched some of you know when you were hosting and some of the co-hosts were talking about their experiences no this was on uh, this was with jada yeah it was uh, on the table right talk. And, and i think i forgot i forgot you know, oh, Jada's, I think it was her mother saying, it happened to me, it was with your father. That's crazy, you know? I mean, that's so eye-opening to hear because it doesn't have to be 
what you what you perceive it to be. It can be very subtle, and it, these yeah. boys need to learn that, that what these subtleties are. You know, I agree hundred percent. And I think like my one of my biggest passions right now is like educating young women about their sexuality, about their fertility, about their bodies, about just having a little bit more ownership and exploration of that, what it means so that if they're fully in their power and understanding that they then hopefully won't get into positions that I've been in, that so many other young women have been in and can have a conversation with whatever man they're with and, and not be afraid of, and not be, you know, in that place of, Oh, well, I want him to like me. So I'm going to do this, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think this is, Go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I just think this is such a difficult time to be open and honest, but maybe that makes it even more important to be open and honest. And for you, I can tell you as a father to two girls, I'm hearing that, hearing you say that taking on that charge is really important. So don't, you know, don't ever question that. That's that's a really important thing you're doing, and uh, good for you that, that you're finding that voice. I, at, I also, you know, I also, 32. sorry to interrupt. I, I also think it's it's important to be open and honest. You, you know, even from the male perspective. You know, I think yeah. that it's important for men and boys, or just the male species, to ask questions too and say, "Hey, we're evolving here." All right. Maybe this is the way it was done 25, 30 years ago. And now we're moving into a different time. It's okay to ask questions and maybe not be right all the time, meaning saying, oh, well, is it okay this? No, it's not. Oh, God. Wow. Again, that open communication, that open dialogue is necessary, I think, even on the male side. You know, because oh, 100%. I think they, we need to be educated just as much, you know, with, hey, this is good. This is bad. There's a gray area here that we all need to learn about. You know, it's important. Well, I think there's also, I think there's also a lot of like this dynamic between males of like shaming for not know what they're doing sexually from a very young age nowadays. And so then a lot of the learning is happening, say from porn, which is not really reflective of what is really, you know, going on. And so I think, yeah, re- reforming the way that sex education happens in schools for men and women and and talking about pleasure and not just about abstinence or about STDs and talking about, you know, taking the pressure off of young men and saying, if you, you know, ask me what I like, opening up conversations of, you know, like, let's let's have a conversation about what feels good and what doesn't. And not make it so, oh, well, like, I have to be a man and I have to just know what she wants and I have to perform well. And, like, there's so much of this, like, masculinity that I feel like is tied to being, like, sexy all the time or being good at sex or being able to, you know, pleasure a woman. But then the, you kind of miss the boat becomes, mm-hmm. because it becomes not really even about that. Yeah, and well, those conversations thing. never end. Those conversations never end, nor should yeah. they. I mean, it goes from being goes from being an aware adolescent to an aware young man or woman to being a good partner. You know, that's 100%. that's where that's where those conversations go when you're 40, 50, 60, whatever. 
Yes, and then I'll say one more thing on that, and it just connectivity with your partner. And I, I, I'm experiencing this. I've been with my wife, you know, not married, but together for 20 years now, married for 15, right? Wow. We've been through our ups and downs. It is, it has not been a cakewalk, but I think there's, you know, it's, it's not a bad thing. You know, you need to look at the whole person all the time yeah. and want to grow and work together and evolve together. And sometimes it's going to be hard. Sometimes it's going to be blissful. But let's not just take one thing that you do or I do and just throw the whole thing away. I think that's 100%. irresponsible to your heart when you're really connected on that level. Sex for my wife and I has always been good. Um, you know, when we were younger, it was 80,000 times a day, right? And then as we get older and older, especially after we went to Hoffman, so hey, the picture is go to Hoffman, your sex life will get great. Once you open up, like truly open up and, and become vulnerable. Vulnerability was a very difficult thing for me to, to be, you know, just because of whatever pain that I had in my life. But once I was able to be vulnerable and truly open up to my wife and tell her what I'm feeling, sex went to an, a whole different level, something that I never thought I could experience. And this is 20 years into our relationship and sex right now is just, it's crazy, crazy good and crazy connected like it's never been before. Yeah. You know? So that's the other lesson that these young kids should be taught. Now, I'm not expecting them to fall in love and be married at the age of 15, but just pay the, just be respectful and open your heart up a little bit and you're, you know, it's going to work out. It just, it, it, just, it just keeps getting better and better the more open you are. Well, and the more that you don't rush to the prize, you know, and I've, I've done that plenty of times in my life where it's just like, let me rush through all the steps. But then it's like, all right, we had sex. Like I've already seen you naked. Cool. Mm -hmm. Like what, what else is, what else yeah. is going on? Yeah. And if you wait and you like build up, like I, some of the most sexy times in my life were like when someone holds your hand for the first time or like the first time you make out or like, you know, or fooling around, or you're just mm -hmm. literally like in high school dry humping on the couch. But, mm -hmm. you know, like if you allow yeah. that build up, <laughs> you know, never got school. dry humping ever. I, you know, it's really? Like well, it was horrible oh, for the guy. On, I had like Oliver. I had like <laughs> Levi Strauss's on with button fly, and it's like this is not. I know you're having a great time here, but I am dying right now. You know. There's not, I got to put on the right pants, maybe some like silk sweatpants or something. Okay, what about like, but even, you know, like making out against the car. Oh, yes, that's the best. You know, like all of, all of those what little. What about dry moments. humping against the car? <laughs> sure. <laughs> the first time I made out with my wife was against the car. We, we, against the car was the first time we made out on the hood. It was like a movie. It was great. It's hot. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, like all of, all of those moments like that. If you kind of let those like build up and you just wait a little while and, and there's so much then tension built and then you don't lead with the sexuality, ooh, mm -hmm. that is where it's at. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. On both sides of things. On oh, both yeah. ends, you know, for the man and the woman. I mean, that's, yeah, the anticipation. I, I was telling my friend the other day that it's like, it's like trying to use a, a new gadget but you 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 haven't charged the battery. Mm -hmm. 
Like imagine mm-hmm. if you wait and you let the battery charge all the way. Mm-hmm. Like that's mm-hmm. gonna be fire shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah, Speaking right. of batteries, that's the that's the really not talked about downside of electric cars. Because Oliver, <laughs> you would agree. I mean, making out on the hood of an electric car, those those things are short. I mean, they're they're yeah. stubby. So it, yeah. I mean, you'd fall off. No, this was a, tr- be fair, was though, a truck. I, I've I've got a I've got an X7 and. And I kept slipping mm-hmm. off because it's too tall. So. Oh yeah, uh, so you need the perfect height. Yeah. You no, know, you got to buy the car. Well, that that should be the first thing you ask the car sales. <laughs> you just make out with a car salesman. Hold on, let me Let me lay down here. And, okay, now you just Great. lean in. Don't. This is weird. I know, but just lean in. <laughs> All right, that's it. That's all I got. What's the back seat like? Spacious? <laughs> Great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, kids. Well, thank you so much. And you're thank crazy you beautiful. You're so beautiful. <laughs> that's you, absurd yeah. that anyone would ever think that because you are insanely beautiful. And, a, and, and, and some dude is going to be extremely lucky. I'll say yeah, that. So open yourself up to the right guy, though. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. And if your daughters yeah. or your sons ever need a little, you know, yeah. whipping into shape, sex yeah. education, yeah. I'm happy yeah. to be, Perfect. you know. I'm going to throw them your way. <laughs> Let's do it. I'm in, guys. I'm going to start right. a little, like, class. Let's you educate should. the young, the youth Great of America. Great idea. Great idea. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Thank you, Rumor. All right, Rumor. Thank you, Thank you so, much. so much. All right. All right. Have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.